Pastini is Eugene's new Italian bistro at Oakway Center, dedicated to serving up two of life's greatest pleasures, pasta and wine. Join them for classic favorites like spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with clams and sausage, and fettuccine Alfredo paired with hand-selected Pacific Northwest and Italian wines. Pastini. Eat pasta. Drink wine. Welcome to the Duck Pod. I'm Ryan Thorburn, joined by Austin Meek. This week we're going to be talking about Oregon's second week of fall camp, take a look at some of the over-under totals in the Pac-12, and perhaps even get into some Heisman Trophy talk. So Austin, we're 11 practices into fall camp. Um, Not a lot of news in terms of major injuries or anything like that, which I guess is a good thing. Um, We've been writing some features and stuff like that, kind of keeping track of guys moving up and down the the depth chart or at least which teams they're rolling with. Um, Do you have any new observations about what's going on at the practice fields? You know, not really. We're kind of in the doldrums of preseason camp right now. Uh, Like you said, not a lot of not a lot of news. not uh it's just kind of just kind of biding our time here it feels like until the season opener gets here you know they're experimenting with the with the depth chart or the organizational chart as they call it uh sounds like the offensive line uh last week they've been experimenting with some different combinations first scrimmage of, of fall camp happened on sunday it wasn't uh wasn't open to the media although mario cristobal gave gave the recap yesterday uh but you know it's just kind of just kind of biding our time until september 1st and that season opener gets here yeah we're recording this on wednesday and uh you know i've written several stories about the offensive line recently at a, a profile of alex forsyth and, and his uh kind of moving story um in sunday's paper if you haven't read that go back and check it out he uh, his father was killed, uh, murdered, actually. And uh, it's really kind of an inspiring story how well he's doing uh, a few years later. And then, you know, I've written about backups. I've written about starters. But just it's interesting today because uh, Panay Sewell, who was their highest-ranked recruit, uh, is one of these big freshman offensive linemen. He's been getting a look with the first team recently and so has Alabama transferred Dallas Warmack so you know if you have Sewell and Warmack added to a group that includes Lemieux Hansen and Throckmorton that's sizable yeah. uh talent and you know obviously big guys sizable guys yeah that offensive line group is one of the deepest maybe the deepest group on the team uh so you know, the, the competition, I think, to get on the field uh, is maybe as high on the offensive line as it is anywhere. But, um, you know, but they have some guys. I, it's not a given with that group that just because you were a starter in the past necessarily that you're going to um, that you're going to be assured to be a starter going forward. Uh, and Mario Cristobal has said he wants to play a bunch of guys on the offensive line. So uh, create some opportunities for a guy like Panay Sewell, uh, who, yeah, from what I've heard, has, has made some really favorable uh, impressions in camp. 
it'll be interesting to see. We've talked a little bit about uh, the new red shirt rule. Um, I'll be curious to see how Mario Cristobal plays the strategy with that because there's a couple different ways you could do it. You know, if you've got a, a freshman who you think is ready to play right away, you could put him out there for the first three non-conference games, which ought to be easy wins. And then you can make a decision and say, he's not quite as far along as we thought he was. We're going to go ahead and redshirt him. Or you could, if you've got a guy who you think is pretty close, but maybe he's not quite ready, you could save him, get into the middle of the season, see if you have some injuries, and then say, okay, we're going we're gonna to play him maybe with four games left in the season and still have the possibility of the red shirt. So uh, with some of those guys like, like Sewell, who plays at a deep position, uh, but maybe can bring something to the table right away, I'll be curious to see how they play the strategy with that. It definitely is a carrot for all freshmen to, you know, keep competing. Now, usually you like to have your scout team set and guys are just kind of stuck on the scout team. But uh, when you have a guy like Tyler uh, Shuck, a true freshman quarterback who looks pretty dynamic, um, I imagine you'd want him doing some scout team stuff. But at the same time, if you could get him in four games and still keep his red shirt and get those under his belt, that would... Uh, really be a nice thing especially if uh, the starter happens to leave for the nfl yeah for sure all right well i have in my hand here some over under win totals for the pac-12 teams since we are in the dog days of fall camp looking for topics so let's go down the list we got oregon at eight and a half wins you taking the over or the under on that didn't we talk about this? And I said I hadn't looked, but I would have set it at eight and a half. I think uh, I'm right on the money, at least with the team I cover. So that's good. Um, I will take the over. I think they're going to be nine and three. I like the chemistry that they have this camp. Um, guys seem to be, you know, happy and like playing for these coaches and like being with each other i think they have good chemistry good quarterback an improving defense and an easy schedule i am going to say they finish nine and three and go over um obviously the first three games are wins stanford is a toss-up in my opinion washington is a loss at arizona is difficult given their history down there and khalil tate and all that and at Utah is another potential loss, but other than that, you got to like their chances in just about every game. Yeah, I was having this conversation with John Canzano the other day, um, and he mentioned that Oregon seemed like a team that was going to win a game somewhere that, that people don't expect them to win. And I, I agree with that. I think I, I get that feeling, too. Um, there's not that many games when you look at their schedule that, that they're going to be a big underdog in. Washington, they'll be a big underdog, maybe double-digit underdog against Washington. Everything else, you know, Stanford at home, at Arizona, at Utah, maybe a, a small underdog in those games, but um, those to me are basically coin flip games. So, uh, so I'm going to agree with you and take the over uh, because I really, when I look at the schedule, I really see only one or two games that I think 
definitely look like a loss. Um, so I'm going to take the over on 8.5 with, with the Ducks. Oregon State, the number is 2.5. What do you got with the Beavers? And I can give you uh, – I've got the non-conference schedules up here. So uh, the Beavers play at Ohio State, at Nevada. They get Southern Utah at home. I hate to do it, but I'm going to take the under. I think they're going to be 2-10. and 10. I see them beating Southern Utah, obviously. And I think that game at Nevada is a possibility, but it's on the road. And Nevada, I know – you know they're not very good. Uh, they're a Mountain West team, but that'll be a big deal to them. Even though Oregon State's, you know, at the bottom of the Pac-12, they're still a Pac-12 team, so their crowd will be into that. So those are two possibilities. I, I definitely have Southern Utah as a win, and then I also have uh, a home game against Washington State as a possibility as well. Um, other than that, they're going to be heavy underdogs. Um, that's just the state they're in right now. Yeah, I'm going to take the under two on the Beavers. I think they're. I don't think they win at Nevada. They haven't won on the road since I believe 2014. Um, and when I look at their Pac-12 schedule, you know their best their best shot to get a a Pac-12 win. Uh, they get Washington State at home. Uh, they also have a bye week before hosting Cal. Yeah, they, Cal isn't you know a world beater quite yet, but you know Justin Wilcox will be ready for that little homecoming. But yeah, it's tough when your ceiling is three wins. That's really an uphill climb for Jonathan Smith. I think he's a good hire. I think he seems like he's very smart, um, but it's going to take a long time. Yeah, yeah, I'm going under two and a half on that. All right, UCLA over under is five. Uh, Chip Kelly and the Bruins get Cincinnati at home. They play at Oklahoma, and they get Fresno State coming off a 10-win season at home in the non-conference schedule. Uh, what do you got on the Bruins? I'm going to take the over. If Jim Mora were coach or someone else, I would take the under. It's just a really tough schedule for a team that doesn't have Josh Rosen anymore and a lot of other holes. But it's Chip Kelly. I mean, he's going to find a way to get to a bowl game. Uh, he was 46-7 and seven at Oregon. I think he's going to be at least 6-6 six and six at UCLA year one, maybe 7-6. and six. I'm going under on that. Uh, I, picked, I picked UCLA to finish last in the South, so um, I guess to make the math add up, there's probably not, uh, probably not a whole lot of wins there for him if I'm going to be right about that, uh, especially because you know, their non-conference schedule is tough too. Uh, they're not going to beat Oklahoma. I think that Fresno game will be really interesting because Fresno's coming off a good season and has a good team coming back. So they could be one and two uh, going into Pac-12 play. So um, I, th- I think we said this a couple weeks ago that if if we're wrong about any team, and I'm doubling down <laughs> doubling down on that right now, uh, if I'm wrong about any team, it's probably UCLA, and they're probably going to win eight games, and I'm going to feel stupid. But uh, you know, somebody's got to somebody's got to win, and somebody's got to lose. Um, and I, I just think I think Chip could take some lumps in the first season. So what is the Pac-12? What are, what's the lowest tier bowl? Is it the? Uh, gosh, is it the? Uh, is it Foster Farms or lower than that? The, uh, is it the? There's the Cactus, Cactus Bowl. I don't remember. Yeah, heart at heart of Dallas. I think bowl. Chip gets to one of these bowl games and 
it's going to take a while before he's back in the Rose Bowl, but I see UCLA going to a bowl year one. I think that's a successful start for Chip Kelly, and then it's off to the races, possibly if they find a quarterback. Okay. Uh, USC, their win total is eight and a half. They play UNLV. Uh, they go to Texas in uh, in non-conference play. And then they also have Notre Dame right towards the end. When do they play Notre Dame? Last last week of the season, November 24th, Notre Dame at USC. I'm going to take the under, and I'm going to say the Trojans are 8-4. and four. I know top to bottom they have the best 85-man roster in the Pac-12 as far as stars and talent and all that, but it's trending towards they're going to start a true freshman at quarterback, and they play Stanford on the road September 8th at Texas September 15th at Arizona September 29th. I mean, they could reach the three-loss total in September if they're not on on point with this new quarterback. So I'm going to go under. Uh, I'm not sold on Clay Hilton. I don't know why. I guess because the Trojan fan base isn't. I mean, he's won the Rose Bowl in dramatic fashion, won the Pac-12 last year, but I think he's got to show us one more time that he's the guy. Yeah, you know, I... I picked USC without a lot of confidence to win the South. I do think the South is pretty wide open this year. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a year where the South champion necessarily wins seven or eight games. I think I could easily see a scenario where the South champion is six and three, uh, and goes to the Pac-12 title game on a tiebreaker or something. So, I think you, I think USC could win the South and still go under on that eight and a half. You know, they they could they could lose two out of three non-conference games. Notre Dame's going to be good. Uh, that's certainly not a that's certainly not a guaranteed win, even though it is at home. Texas, who knows? Uh, but as you mentioned, if you've got a true freshman quarterback making his third start on the road at Texas. Um, it's a game USC easily could, could lose. So I'm going to go with you on the under, even though I've got USC winning the South. Um, next, we got Utah. Their over-under is seven wins. Uh, and the Utes have Weber State. They go to Northern Illinois. Interesting game. Uh, and who else? BYU is their final game. Uh, the Holy War yeah. is uh, November 24th. Well, I picked Utah to win the South, so I'm going to go over. Uh, Utes have a tough draw as far as playing the North. Um, they get Stanford, Oregon, Washington, and Washington State. But, uh, you know, I, they have a quarterback coming back and an offensive coordinator coming back, which is rare for Kyle Whittingham, who always has good offensive and defensive lines. I say the Utes are at least eight and four, uh, at least six and three in your scenario in the South. I think they're going to uh, win the South and, and play, you know, probably Washington in the Pac 12 championship. Interestingly enough, the Washington Huskies Pac 12 opener is September 15th in Salt Lake City. So we'll find out quite a bit right there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going over on that one. I think that's my strongest uh strongest pick so far. I think uh 
I think they've got the Utes a little bit low at only seven. Although at Northern Illinois will be an interesting uh, non-conference game because you don't don't see a lot of Power Five teams um, play at a MAC school um, in non-conference play. I, I've co- actually covered a game there. I covered Kansas played at Northern Illinois well, one year, and it was just just as bad as you would think it would be. All right, Washington. Ten and a half, over or under on the Huskies? I'm going to go under. I think they're going to be ten and two. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to win the Pac-12. They play Auburn right off the bat, and I kind of have that as a toss-up game. Maybe a slight lean towards uh, Washington because of Chris Peterson, but at the same time, it's quote-unquote a neutral field but it's in atlanta so i you got to think auburn's gonna have 90 percent of the fans so you know if they lose to auburn um and either lose one pac-12 game either at utah or at oregon um probably get stanford at home just the grind of the season i would say they're probably going to be 10 and 2 and still in the pac-12 championship game yeah um i think i'm going to take the over on the theory that they'll have most likely the Pac-12 title game and then a bowl game so they could play 14 games yeah I'm thinking regular season over 10 is under and uh, that's based on you know maybe losing to Auburn if they beat Auburn I think they're going to win 11 regular season games yeah all right Uh, Washington State six and a half who do the Cougars have Uh, they play Oh, they play at your Cowboys. That'll be a big one. Week one, Washington State at Wyoming. Uh, then they get San Jose State and Eastern Washington. So, yeah, manageable schedule there. Uh, I'm going to go under. I think uh, there's just so much rebuilding. Now, Mike Leach can prove us all wrong and you know get a quarterback off the street to throw for 4,000 yards in his – in his system, but they lost their best defensive player, their best offensive lineman, their defensive coordinator, uh, Luke Falk. They had the tragedy with their other quarterback. It's just so much to overcome. It just seems like Leach was more interested in his vacation to Cambodia than getting ready for the season. I'm going to go under, and that includes a loss in Laramie, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, I'm way under on that one. I, I, I would... If I if I were a betting man, I would I would make a sizable bet that Washington State is under six and a half. Um, factor in the the annual Mike Leach loss to a one double A team, uh, they could go one and two in non conference play. You know, um, so I'm 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 not bullish on the Cougars this year. Arizona, their total seven and a half. And uh, Arizona's got BYU in the opener. They play at Houston. That'll be interesting. Uh, and they get Southern Utah. Southern Utah seems to be uh, collecting some nice Pac-12 paychecks this year. So what's the total? Seven and a half. I'm going to go over. I think they're definitely eight and four material for sure. Uh, they have Khalil Tate. They have Kevin Sumlin. Um, 
you know, BYU's not an easy opener, but it is in Tucson. Uh, Houston, you know, I, I think they probably do split those first two, though. They have BYU and then at Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston's one of the better group of five teams. But still, after that, you have Southern Utah, Oregon State, win-win. USC at home after USC's played a bunch of hard games. Cal at home. Um, at Utah, probably a loss. But at UCLA, I would say is Arizona's favored in that game. Uh, Oregon at home. Ducks don't play well in Tucson for some reason. Uh, at Colorado, or no, Colorado at home, another mm-hmm. win. At Washington State, unless it's raining cats and dogs, which it probably will be, that's probably a win. And then Herm Edwards comes to town. I mean, they could win nine or ten games. Yeah, I think the schedule breaks really well for them. You know, the crossover games that they play with the North, they get Oregon State, which is good. They get Cal at home which is good. They get Oregon at home, uh, where Oregon historically hasn't played very well. That's good. Uh, and you, as you mentioned, they get Washington State. So, yeah, I think the crossover schedule breaks really well for them. Uh, so I'm going to go with you on the over at Arizona on 7.5. I might have to – well, you can't change it now, but I kind of like them over <laughs> – Right in ballot. I like them to maybe win more Pac-12 games than Utah just based on schedule. And yeah. Maybe they could sneak into the Pac-12 championship. That would certainly be good for – uh, Khalil Tate's Heisman Trophy hope. Yeah, I, that's part of why I say it's wide open because I think maybe the teams that uh, all things being equal you might put a little lower, like Arizona, are getting a little bump from the schedule this year, whereas a team like Utah, I think on an even playing field, I'd probably say Utah is a better team than Arizona. But when you factor in the schedule, I think that evens things out a little bit. And I think that's why that Pac-12 South is really wide open. Um, Arizona State... Over-under is five. Herm Edwards gets uh, UT San Antonio. Ooh, they play Michigan State. I didn't know that. Michigan State. Uh, and then they got, they got to go to San Diego State. Pretty tough slate there. Way under. I have the Sun Devils with two victories this year. <laughs> and I like Herm Edwards. You know, he's tremendous to get the sound bites from. He was great at Pactful Media Day. He's very motivational in his speaking, but their schedule is ridiculous, and I don't like this whole experiment as, you know, I don't think it's going to work. You know, we'll see. I mean, they're going to beat the Roadrunners and the Beavers, and that's about it. I think they'll even struggle at Colorado and the altitude. Hmm. So my sort of contrarian take was that Arizona State may be a little bit better than everybody's saying just because... I, it was easy to make fun of the Herm Edwards thing, and trust me, I'm a Chiefs fan. I <laughs> I can make fun of Herm Edwards all day if we want to. He's you know he's got his 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 strengths and his weaknesses as a coach, uh, and it, I agree it's a weird weird fit. But he he took over a team um, that that has some pieces. You know, uh, I like the quarterback Manny Wilkins. I love Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver. I think defensively, you know, they they're they've, they've got some pieces coming back. So uh, I think I picked him fourth in the South. Uh, but looking at the schedule, I'm quickly losing confidence in uh, in in my theory that. Arizona State will be a little better than people think because, yeah, the schedule's tough. Um, again, you know, Pac-12's got to be careful. Just looking at these non-conference schedules, we could get to we could get to the 
third week of September, and the storyline could be that the Pac-12 has once again completely tripped over itself three weeks into the season because a lot of these teams have games that they could easily lose in the first couple weeks of the season. Pac-12 really needs Washington to beat Auburn because if that doesn't happen, we could be sitting here uh, in the third week of the season talking about how the Pac-12 has no marquee wins and some some pretty bad losses. So I'm going to go under with you, I guess, on Arizona State. Cal, five and a half. Uh, The Bears get... North Carolina at home, the return game from last year. Uh, BYU, they go on the road to BYU, and they uh, they get Idaho State at home. Well, I like that slate. North Carolina has suspended a bunch of players again for something else. Um, at BYU is tough. That's probably going to be a loss, but they're going to be 2-1 and one when Oregon comes. Uh, that's probably 2-2 two and two at Arizona. Uh, two and three. Okay, I don't want to go through everything, but then they have <laughs> you have Oregon State, Washington State. Okay, I'm going to go under. Sorry, Justin. I really think I really think they have a good shot of going to a bowl, but they're going to have to to upset a couple people to get there. Yeah. I was uh, I I'm working on some stuff for our football preview section. Uh, I was looking at Cal a little bit. I. I like the team they have coming back. You know, there was, um, I think there were headlines in the offseason that they lost these guys. Trey Watson, the running back, transferred to Texas. Uh, Demetrius Robinson, the wide receiver, transferred to Georgia. Uh, but when you look back at last season, those guys weren't really part of, of any success they had last year. Trey Watson was hurt. Uh, Patrick Laird, the running back, um, his last five games last year, he averaged about 150 yards on the ground. So I think Cal's a little bit of an under-the-radar team um, that that could sneak up on some people. So I'm going to take the over on that, uh, although I'm, I'm not overly confident about that. Uh, okay, we're on the home stretch. we got two left. Colorado, their over-under is four wins uh, for the team you used to cover. Uh if they're under that total, Mike McIntyre is probably not the coach uh, a year from now. They've got Colorado State. Ooh, they play Nebraska. That'll be fun. Uh, and then New Hampshire. I have them over. I think they're 6-6 six and six going to a bowl game. Um, I think they'll split the Colorado State-Nebraska rivalry games and beat New Hampshire. Uh, I think they'll beat UCLA at home. Uh, I think they'll beat Arizona State at home. Oregon State at home, um, Washington State at home. They have a good home schedule. Um, may come down to that final two, Utah, Cal. They'll probably have to at least split that to go to a bowl game, but I think they will go to a bowl game. Uh, it's not sexy. It's not bringing it back to 2016, but I think they're going to a bowl game. Yeah, that number's a little lower than I expected, um, You know, because that, this is a team that's just two years removed from from winning the Pac-12 South, uh, I agree they're not going to get back to that level. But I think I think five wins is certainly attainable. So I'm going to go I'm going to go with you and take the over on Colorado. Uh, our last last team is Stanford. Eight wins for Stanford is the over under. Uh, San Diego State they play San Diego State at home. They play uh, UC Davis. Mike Bellotti's 
alma mater. And uh, Notre Dame, they go to Notre Dame on September 29th. Eight wins sounds right to me. Push. <laughs> Come on. Pick a side. Okay. Um, I'll go... I'll go under because of the schedule. I mean, David Shaw, all he does is win nine and ten games, but uh, they do kind of dip in the even years because they have to play at Oregon and at Washington yeah. and at Notre Dame those years. So those are three really tough games. I do think they'll get San Diego State this year after losing to the Aztecs last year, and I, I do think they'll beat USC. So they're going to be 3-0 and um, I believe when they come to Autzen, oh, that's that's really the key game for both teams, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's it is kind of hard to go over on both Oregon and Stanford uh, because the loser of that game is is going to have a little bit of a tougher path to get there. Um, but, but you look what once they come to Autzen, it's Autzen, it's Notre Dame Stadium, it's a physical Utah. Yeah. Uh-huh. team coming in um yeah i don't know i i it's probably a push but i'm gonna go under yeah i guess i'll take the over on that because um i don't know why i guess because what you said it seems like david shaw finds a way to win nine games every year um they're gonna have a roller coaster season because then it ends with oregon state cal and ucla that could be three wins right there so yeah uh, it's going to be interesting. They, they're going to have a really good offense. Yeah. The thing with Stanford, you can pretty much write it down every year. Stanford's probably going to lose to somebody that they're not supposed to lose to. And they're probably going to beat somebody that, that they're not favored to beat. So call that a push. Find yeah. nine wins in there somewhere. I covered the uh, Stanford at Oregon State game yeah. last year. Stanford won the North. We know what happened to Oregon State. Oregon State had that game. Yeah, Stanford. Ryan Nall no doesn't business, fumble. There, no business kneeling. whatsoever yeah, winning that game. All right. Well, that got us through another uh, another week of camp, another week of podcasting. Uh, when we're back next week, Ducks will be one week closer to the season opener against Bowling Green. We'll know a little bit more about what to expect. We'll fill you in on all of the details next week on the Duck Pod. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Duck Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts.